This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. Willpower doesn't work. I'm predicting it right now. It'll be one of the most talked about books of 2018. It's a game-changing book about the impact of your environment. You're going to have to disrupt your own environment. You're going to have to disrupt the environments of those around you. Today, we have Ben Hardy on the Business Done Differently show. Ben Hardy has been the number one writer on Medium.com since 2015 and built his platform to 300,000 plus email subscribers. You probably read some of his stuff without even realizing, including if you're too busy for these five things, you're more off course than you think. And if it doesn't suck, it's not worth doing. Ben's built a seven-figure online business during grad school and researched the differences between wannabe entrepreneurs and actual entrepreneurs, which I'm excited to dive into. And now his first book is now available, Willpower Doesn't Work. I'm predicting it right now. It'll be one of the most talked about books of 2018. It's a game-changing book about the impact of your environment on your work. Ben, I am fired up to have you on the show today. (laughs) <laughs> I love it, man. I'm so glad to be here with you. Thank you for having me, man. All right, Ben. As a great writer, I'm letting you name the word of the day. So basically, the word of the day, you will get points for every time the word is used. The points don't matter. So good luck. What word would you like for, you for the day today? Decision. Decision? Yep. Decision is the word. All right. My first decision here is to open with a segment in your quote that you wrote, if you want a different life, you must be a different person. You wrote in the book, I've got to start with different strokes. How do you see business differently, Ben? For me, business is about a few key things. It's about you know developing mastery in whatever you're doing, but it's also about investing in yourself and investing in relationships. And then uh, when you invest in yourself, obviously, the goal is to upgrade your subconscious mind. It's to upgrade. Basically, it's to upgrade your mindset. And then when you invest in relationships, it's about um, creating creating closeness with the right mentors and then really going all in to help them. So, I mean, for me, business done the right way is about becoming really good at what you do and then giving your skills abundantly to the right people. And when you do that, you upgrade your mindset, but that's also how you upgrade your environment. <laughs> Absolutely love that. All right. I want to get to know you a little bit better. And the 411, the four questions to get the information on the guest in a different way. So Ben, what would be one sentence to describe what you do? What I do, I I guess the sentence is, I write what I believe in and try to live. Perfect. Love it. Now, here's the challenging. In my book, I talk about simplifying. If there was one word to describe you, what would it be? Probably intention. Excellent. Love that. And one business accomplishment you're most proud of? Business accomplishment. Probably probably finishing this book. <laughs> Willpower doesn't work. hundred <laughs> percent. And we're going to dive into that. And that is a huge accomplishment. And then Ben, what's one thing that no one knows about you? One thing that no one knows about me is just that I barely graduated from high school. <laughs> you know, like that was, it. I, I guess it's in the book probably at this point, but uh, that book, yeah, I mean, that was, it was, it was, I barely did it, you know, and I was addicted to video games. All right. Now, this is great. We're going to dive in here. I'm not going to let that one go. So you barely graduated from high school. You're the number one writer on Medium with a huge book coming out. It was video games. Was it just grades? What else was going on in high school? How did you barely graduate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so when my parents, my parents got divorced when I was 11 and their divorce was rough. Uh, So, I mean, one of the big concepts in, in addiction is that addiction 
is not genetic. It's the product of pain and trauma. And so like what happened was my dad, you know, the divorce just crushed my dad, sent him into a tailspin and he became a really rough drug addict. And my mom, just a single mom, just trying to, you know, just trying to make her way through, you know? And so I had zero stability, zero kind of anything. It was what I would call like a really rough, volatile environment and, uh, barely, just barely made it through. Uh, and then just after high school, lived with my cousins and just played World of Warcraft all day uh, and just didn't really have any stability. And so that's kind of, you know, where it all happened. Um, it, it was at age 19 that I started running and I just started, uh, I needed to kind of get out and it was started with running like one or two miles a night, but it ended up going longer and longer. And I just ran in the middle of the night, like kind of as a break from playing video games all day. Um, but it was outside of my house and outside of just kind of all the energy and relationships and what I would call triggers that are there that like I was able to finally start to get some clarity and think about and process all of the pain and trauma I had gone through, through high school and through kind of life. And, uh, it allowed me to kind of start to process that, think about it and then think about what do I want to do with myself? And ultimately I kind of decided that the only way that I could become who I wanted to be was I needed to go away. And, uh, and so I made the decision not to join the military like my younger brother did, but I decided to serve like a humanitarian mission type experience. So I left for a few years, went across the country and totally had a new identity. And it was kind of amazing because as soon as I left, like I felt completely empowered to do and be what I wanted to be. I went from playing video games 24 seven to working very hard reading, writing, like learning all sorts of stuff, like giving my time and attention to other people. It was like a, a flip switch. Yeah. And it made me realize that, um, you know, that was kind of my first real insight into the power of environment and identity and how those two things are so tied together. That's kind of where it all started. And then I came back from the mission, decided to uh, go to college, study psychology. And, you know, I'm almost done with my PhD at this point. Wow. And uh, just really dived deep into psychology, self-improvement. And over the last few years, kind of really done the writing side. Wow, that's absolutely brilliant. And I think that's a great transition into how I built this one of my favorite podcasts. And you know, how did you become the number one writer on medium and build an email list of 300,000 subscribers? Ben, that is crazy. How did you do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I started writing in 2015. In the, you know, in the spring, it was about April or May. Uh, my the first thing I did was bought an online course you know, about how to write viral art, viral headlines and, you know, how to structure my articles and how to pitch them onto big platforms. And then I started writing on this like website that I had never heard of before medium.com. I think someone told me about it and I just started <laughs> writing on that website. And that one of my big kind of philosophies is, is that quantity leads to quality and that it's better to be prolific than to be perfect. And so like in the beginning, I just wrote a lot of stuff, you know, and I was trying to implement what I was learning, trying to learn from kind of the best of the best and, uh, just, kind of obviously there's a lot involved. I mean, you have to get good at what you do, but you also have to, you have to be in the right place at the right time. And I just got, you know, in a lot of ways I got lucky. One of my articles went really big and then I've just tried to consistently get better and better what I do and surround myself with the right mentors. No, oh, that's outstanding. Now, growing the email list, I think everyone's talking about growing email lists. Obviously the quantity you constantly writing, learning the viral headlines, but growing an email list of 300,000, how did you do that? Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you the very specific. So basically what happened was, is when I wrote my first viral article, I was surprised because it was getting hundreds of thousands of views a day, but no one was going into my email list. Like I would check like every few hours and I'd be like, you know, why am I, why is my email list not growing? Yeah. 
And so it kind of dawned on me kind of at the tail end of all the traffic. I, I should go in and this is one of the really good benefits of writing in a place like Quora or LinkedIn or Medium is that you can go in and edit this stuff. You know, it's different than if it's on a website like, you know, Forbes or something. But I went in and edited the article. And at the very end, I just said, you know, hey, if you like this article, click this link and you can go to my website and get my free ebook. And so as soon as I did that, I went from basically zero subscribers because this was my first kind of article that got any traction and it got a ton of traction. I went from zero immediately to about 3,500 subscribers. The problem was, is it was the bottom end of all the traffic. Most of the traffic was already gone. And so that kind of was the first aha epiphany was, okay, at the end of my articles, I need to give people a direct call to action and give them a link of where to go. And so for the next like year, I sent people to my website, you know, and I was giving away my free ebook. And in that year, I went from like zero to, I don't know, like 20 or 30,000 emails, you know, just writing articles and sending people to my website. I was thinking, I think I was getting about one to two or 3,000 emails a month just sending people to my website. Mm. And then in um, the summer of 2016, I read Russell Brunson's book, Dotcom Secrets. Mm. And that's a really good book, but it really taught me that, you know, you shouldn't send people to your website. You should send people to a landing page. And a landing page is basically just a web page that it just is a page where you just give someone your email address. Like there's a space where you can give an email address and push a button that says, yes, I want it. So there's only two choices when you land on a landing page. You can either leave the page or you can put your email address in to get something. And so I stopped sending people to my website. I started sending people to my to a landing page. Same amount of traffic on my articles, same call to action, just sending them to a different page. And immediately I jumped up from like one to 2,000 emails a month to about 5,000 emails a month, giving away my free ebook. And then, um, then I decided kind of a little later that I wanted to try a new giveaway just to see if it would help me get more emails. And so rather than giving away a free ebook, which is, you know, some people a big commitment to ask, you know, it's like maybe not everyone wants to read an ebook. They just read an article, but who knows if they want to read a whole book. Mm. So I switched over to a checklist, a seven page checklist about key morning routine activities, but really checklists, things that are small and and kind of bite sized that are really focused on outcomes. And so I, I switched over to a checklist, sent people to a very similar landing page, and when I made that switch in giveaway, I jumped from about 5,000 emails a month almost immediately to about 20,000 emails a month. <laughs> and so that's kind of a core aha that I try to help people realize is the giveaway matters, how you frame the giveaway matters. And uh, you know, ever since then, which was at the end of 2016, I've been averaging between 200 and, or sorry, 20,000 and 30,000 emails a month just off of traffic. There's no paid advertising. Wow. And I think it's great because all entrepreneurs are trying to grow their audience. And that's a unique way. In a sense, how often do you now send emails? So once they join your email list, how often are you corresponding with them? Once a week. Yeah. I, just send a, I just send a link with a, a new article once a week. Uh, some people have opted to receive emails three times a week just who want you know articles. And mm-hmm. I often republish my posts. And so Absolutely. you know, there's a small subset of people who I just send very short emails with links to my articles. I love it. All right. We're going to go into willpower doesn't work. I was just very intrigued by how you could grow an audience. We're going to open this segment with Shape of You. Think of that song by Ed Sheeran. Uh, we'll put in a different context here. But if you don't shape your environment, it will shape you. Why would you open your book sharing this? Yeah, because I think most people in Western culture don't realize that. You know, we live in a very individualistic society. And so we think that who we are at birth is who we're going to be when we die. It's very focused on nature, not nurture. And it's very individualistic and it doesn't recognize the power of situations. And so I just wanted to like open up with a punch in the face and say, you know, that is a myth 
and it's 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 wrecking you. Like mm-hmm. if you're not if you don't purposefully create an environment that you want, then you're going to become the product of an environment you don't want. Mm, I love that. And you tell the great story of your friend Nate, and I'm calling this the Tesla effect. You know, it, it, it's a great story, and I want to know have you want to share it, but how did you implement that in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So, so my friend Nate, uh, he was a really, you know, he still is, he's doing awesome. This was about a year ago that this happened, that my friend Nate bought a Tesla, but he was successful selling real estate and selling real estate education products. Um, you know, making six figures, making a great income, very motivated, very just nice guy. Everyone loves being around him, but he, uh, he's also, he's super frugal and just, you know, thoughtful about how he spends his money, which is a really good trait. But he, um, he was driving a really crappy Toyota Camry, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, part of being a real estate agent is having people drive around your car with you and, uh, showing them houses or, or if he's picking up people who he wants to like get into his, you know, mentoring programs cause he's selling finance, uh, education for buying real estate. He's picking people up. He's spending time with them. And if a guy who's, you know, talking about how to make millions of dollars steps out of a crappy car, you know, and he's wearing, you know, it's just like, it's, it, I mean, it's not always the case, but I think situations matter, you know, and in that situation, it just didn't do anything for him. And so, you know, he had the idea, which I thought was really intuitive, really mindful of the power of environment and situation is, you know, what would happen if he bought a Tesla? How would that alter and shape not only the psychology and, you know, mindset of the people who he's working with, but how would it change his own psychology? And so he decided to do it. He had enough money. And so he bought a Tesla. And within a month, the Tesla paid for itself, you know, as far as like a return on on business, like all of a sudden he was viewed as far more credible. Some of the top real estate agents in his area, uh, he lived in Utah, uh, reached out to him and they started inviting him to private parties and stuff. So, I mean, all of a sudden it was like his, uh, his network expanded, which is kind of funny when you really <laughs> think about it. But, but, uh, most importantly, the, the confidence in his clients and in the people who was buying his products skyrocketed. And then that skyrocketed his own confidence for a few reasons. One being that he just he was first off investing in himself and he was kind of altering his environment to match match kind of the belief system that he was trying to create in other people. And so like the the core idea behind this is that, you know, your environment totally can influence you, but also certain behaviors can change you. So like one of the big ideas in the book is that it's not your personality that creates your behavior, it's your behavior that creates your personality. And so when you make this big investment in yourself, that alters how you view yourself. And that's what happened to Nate. Like all of a sudden he became way more confident um, because he was driving in this car and because people were treating him differently. And then he went from being a really good uh, real estate agent to being the number one real estate agent in Utah. Like it just transformed him. And so (laughs) I think one of the big ahas that I'm trying to present in this book is that for the last hundred years, the self-improvement space has talked all about how where the mind goes, the body goes. You know, it's all about like mental creation precedes physical creation, which is an amazing principle. And I love it. But another powerful approach to growth, and and Ray Dalio actually talks about it in his book, Mm -hmm. is that some really powerful transformation can happen from the outside in. When you change your environment, it will change your inner world. And so, like, in my opinion, that may be the fastest and most direct way to learn and grow because, as I try to talk about in the book, your environment and you are the same. Are the same. Uh, I apply that same concept different than Nate because, for me, my career as a writer isn't impacted by the kind of car I drive, you know, (laughs) it's more, it's more impacted by like the network I have Mm. and about the skills I develop. And so like 
I got a $220,000 advance for writing Willpower Doesn't Work. Mm -hmm. And immediately, I, I knew I wanted the book to be good. And so I hired a mentor. I paid thirty five grand, you know, of the advance to hire Ryan Holiday, who's written a couple New York, I mean, not New York Times, but he's written a couple best-selling books yeah. because I wanted his help to write the book. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want his help to market the book. And had I not made that investment, the book wouldn't be as good as it is. Uh, I also invest, you know, I've since invested, I've invested the entire advance back into like my own self-improvement or my own network or my own skill development. And so, I mean, I spent, I've, I invested initially $25,000 to join Genius Network. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and this is like, you know, at the time, it's not like I have a lot more money than this $220,000. I mean, I'm a college student, you know, <laughs> like when I, in 2015, I made $12,000, you know, like, cause grad students don't make a lot of money, but I really have this firm belief in investing in yourself. And when you invest in yourself, you change your psychology, but you also change your environment. And so I invested in, in, you know, mentorship with Ryan. I invested in a mastermind group to put myself in proximity to a bunch of people who are living at a level that I wanted myself at. And, uh, I've, and, you know, and so I, I mean, I apply it in my own ways. For me, it, you know, I think the, the level of application in changing your environment needs to be relevant to the goals you're pursuing. But for Nate, it made total sense to buy a nice car. Yeah, that makes sense. So I mean, obviously, you make the great points of investing in yourself. But so I was a, a hoping that the Tesla sales would increase dramatically from this podcast. But I guess there's other ways to use it instead. But Elon Musk will be happy. So thank you for listening again, Elon. But I want to go I, I, <laughs> I, I love I love the segments where you're going here about investing in yourself. But I want to go into a segment called comfortably uncomfortable. And you wrote the only way for you to master new environments is to force yourself out of your shell and your habits. Now, you've mentioned some things about investing in the Genius Network and a mentor, but what else have you done to get comfortably uncomfortable? Totally. I mean, so I think one of the reasons that people stay stuck in their environment is because they don't want to deal with the emotions of facing new challenges and stuff like that. I mean, so for me, you know, one of the big ones was obviously becoming a foster parent. That's something that makes me comfortably uncomfortable every single day. Um, you know, my wife and I, during my first year at my PhD program, this was in the beginning of 2015, we became foster parents of three kids. We'd never done that before. Uh, they're still our kids and we're still, we're actually literally next week, uh, hopefully finishing our last week in court so that we can adopt them. But I mean, that, that created an intense amount of pressure on me that, uh, that led me to thinking about life differently. Like, mm -hmm. so one of the big things that I try to pre present in the book is it's not, it's not great power that creates great responsibility. Like they talk about in Spider-Man, it's actually the opposite. It's like when you take on intense responsibility, when the stakes are high, then you're like, then you're empowered in a way different way. So it's like when you create external demand, then internal supply comes. And so, I mean, becoming a foster parent was one. I mean, I try to do it in all sorts of areas in my life. In the book, I call them forcing functions, you know, where you just, you create situations that force you to operate. So like it could be, you know, hiring an assistant, you know, so now I like, I have to be more pro productive. I mean, really, I think you can apply it in any way. Oh, I love it. Love it. Well, I'm going to get you a little bit more uncomfortable here, Ben. All right. It is now time for our first game. It's truth and dare. Are you ready? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So I'm going to play We're going to use a game that we do at all our ballparks. It's called sing in the blank. So we're going to play a song. When the song stops, you have to finish that song lyric. So I'm going to let you all, that's if you want to do the dare for us first, or you can do the truth. What would you like to do first? Let's just do the dare, man. All right, we're going to rock and roll. So when the song finishes, you have to finish that song lyric. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Don't let them in 
don't let them see Be the good girl, you always have to be Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know Well, now they know Let it go, let it go <laughs> yes, perfect. That was, and you, I think you hit the, the the tone exactly right there. You hit I don't the know key. About that. that was perfect. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. You're the first person ever to sing "Let It Go" on the show. And the reason why I picked this song for you is because of the fact that you're about to talk about disconnecting. You talk about eliminating a lot of the things in your life. So you let it go a lot of things. So are you ready for the truth? Yeah. All right. How have you been able to let go and eliminate a lot of the things in your life? Yeah. So, I mean, I think being attached to like your values and your goals is one thing, but being attached to physical stuff is a negative. Um, and uh, thinking about it in terms of environment, you know, your physical space directly influences kind of what's going on in your mental world. And so just, I mean, as simple as not being over, overly attached to stuff. I mean, there's already been a lot of great books written about that, kind of like the life-changing magic of tidying up and essentialism are about kind of, you know, less but better. But as far as um, detaching from kind of some of the bigger things, like, you know, your emotional blocks or, or detaching yourself from, you know, relationships that are holding you back. So, I mean, one of the big components that I try to present in this book is most self-improvement talks about the inner world. And, and in my opinion, the rubber, meets the, the rubber meets the road when you actually make those changes in the real world. So, like, if you actually have this aspiration to do something, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, it could be you want to be more successful or you want to become a writer or you want to do this. That will all if you if you actually go through with those plans you're going to have to disrupt your own environment. And you're going to have to disrupt the environments of those around you because right now your whole environment is holding you together in the same place you're in all the expectations of those around you. I mean, everything is keeping you where you're at. And if you want to change that, you've got to kind of disrupt that. And the painful part is, is that you have to probably change your relationships. Mm. And for me, I've had to like let go of a lot of relationships that, that weren't going anywhere. Not because I don't love those people, but just because it wasn't the relationship wasn't serving anyone. Mm. I mean, I couldn't be my authentic, honest self who I was trying to be and do. And, and the relationship was not healthy. And so I think that uh, knowing when to let go of, you know, unhealthy relationships doesn't have to be that you're trying to like put people down. It's just because you need to do this in order to move forward. And so, I mean, that's, I think that's a big one. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's great about your book, too. You talk so much about the, the being disconnected. I was blown away by the talk about cell phones and everyone. It's so relevant right now. You wrote, step out of the trees in your life and see the forest. You know, my question to you is, obviously, it's easy to disconnect to an, not easy, but it's, you're able to disconnect in your own life. But what about if you're a manager or a leader or a business of a company? You know, how can you, how can you disconnect regularly? Yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious one that pops up is, uh, the think weeks that Bill Gates did. I mean, every year he would go and leave for like a week or two. Um, you know, he ran a huge company, but he said that during those weeks away, you know, and he was totally disconnected. He didn't have his phone on him. I mean, maybe in case of emergencies, but I mean, he was pretty much unreachable. And, you know, during those weeks, he just spent a lot of time reading articles, thinking about his products, visualizing and whatnot. And he said that almost all of his best ideas about Microsoft came from those times away. Mm. Um, you know, other people have applied that principle in totally different manners. I mean, in the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, 
uh, Tim Ferriss talks all about mini retirements, just taking short breaks throughout the year. Like he's talking like long weekends, you know, just to go and disconnect so that you can reconnect with yourself. There's a really good TED talk. And I forget the guy's name because it's, I think it's a European name, but it's all about sabbaticals. Mm. And there's this guy who takes a sabbatical for one year every seven years. And he just leaves, leaves the country, closes his, his uh, art studio. And he's a very successful artist. And he just closes it for a year and just goes away and just totally disconnects, totally resets and just Love it. recharges. And he says it's during that year that all of his best artistic ideas come that fuel his next six years of, of creation. And so one of the big things I talk about in the book is that there's two optimal types of environments. There's the environments that are high demand and high stress, which are kind of like being in a workout. You know, it's like it's forcing you. It's difficult. You know, and it's forcing you to show up. And then there's the optimal environments that are totally the opposite, where it's like you're totally resting and recharging and resetting. And you should be fully detached and fully unplugged so that you're actually resting because it's during the rest period. It's kind of like with what we're just talking about, mm-hmm. that those are the, where the big ideas come in. And that's where, you know, the, that's where the true growth happens. Yeah. I mean, you said only 16% of creative and mental breakthroughs happen while at work. That statistic. It was mind blowing because everyone tries to come up with creative ideas at work, but it's happening when you're someplace else. You know, where, where are you having your creative breakthroughs? Yeah, I, so I, I, I fly a lot, you know, so I mean, I I definitely don't have my creative breakthroughs when I'm sitting at my computer. It's, (laughs) I mean, a lot of it's in the morning, in my morning routine, you know, I, I, uh, drive to a parking lot of a gym, like right outside the gym. And I, I just, I, I, think about uh, what I want to write about. And that's where my best ideas come from. I mean, one thing I do is I'll sit and focus on a task for a while, but it's usually the idea happens as soon as you walk away, you know, or, you know, luckily for me, I get to travel a lot for my work. And so often my best ideas are when I'm on an airplane, <laughs> like literally just flying, looking out the window, thinking about life or listening to an audiobook or listening to great music and pull out my journal. And that's, that's kind of where you allow your mind to wander enough so that it can connect what you're thinking on with something else. I love it. Now you said, Ben, you take, is it 24 hours a day, uh, once a week, you actually completely unplug? Did I I read that correctly? Yeah, definitely. All right. That's that's crazy. How do you do that with, uh, you know, your family and everything? And do you choose a different day each week? Explain how that works. Well, well, so by completely unplug, you know, there's, there's several layers, but I mean, I mean, I'm with my family. For me, that's like totally plugging into the family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Email, I don't check social media. I mean, for me, I, I, I like only check my phone, like very tentative, but, but basically the whole idea is just take the full day off. You know, and for me, it's actually, I try to do it Saturday and Sunday, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I try not to be available to work either of those days. Like I told my assistant, you can't schedule anything. Those are my, those are like, I'm not available, like unless I'm traveling, but, um, no, I mean, those days I'm totally focused on, you know, different priorities. I'm resting and recovering. Oh, that's outstanding. You know, one thing before I jump into some lightning rounds here, I think you you look at goal setting in a completely different way than most. You said you need to write goals every day in an affirmative way. You know, can you share how you write your goals? And you share that obviously the great shit story from Jim Carrey as well. But I'm very intrigued on you how you do your goal setting. Yeah, so there's a really, really good book. It's called Write It Down, Make It Happen. And uh, basically the process, and it's the process I've used for a long time, even before I came across that book. But simple enough, you know, write down your goals as if they already occurred. So like if you're writing about some future event, write it as if it already happened. You know, so like in the evening before I go to bed, if I'm going to write an article the next day, I write, you know, I write about it as if it already had happened. I write, you know, like, so this morning or today, I wrote this amazing article that got 10,000 views or got 100,000 views, whatever. Uh, 
you know, and so that's how I write my goals. I mean, I write them as if they've already occurred because there's this really cool quote and it comes from a book called the master key system, but it's all about how like your primary job is to convince yourself of the truth in which you want to manifest. Mm. I mean, if you can convince yourself of the truth that like what you want is already a reality, then, you know, that's pretty powerful. The question is, how do you get to that level of, of, you know, personal convincing or commitment? And to me, that's kind of where the environment comes in. And that's where most people aren't talking about it. You know, it's like in order to get to that level, in a lot of ways, you've got to like invest yourself or you've got to put yourself in a position where you have to, you know, and so, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I approach my goals. I write them down every single day, write them in the affirmative, write them as if they've already occurred. But then I, I do big things like put myself in situations that allow me to think, think differently about them as well. I mean, so recently I launched an online course and it was a huge launch. I mean, it was very successful, but the year before that, the year before that, the course was 200 bucks and the course didn't change that much, but it was while I was at a, like a mastermind meeting. So the cool part about environment is that every environment provokes certain types of emotions. Mm -hmm. And when I was in this, this mastermind meeting around all sorts of amazing people and getting all sorts of amazing information, that's kind of the juicy context where amazing ideas can pop up. Mm -hmm. And, and I had this idea that I needed to change the course from a $200 course to a $1,000 course. (laughs) Um, you know, and it's like, Okay, so that's the idea, but now how do I actually launch that? But like, that's kind of why environment's so important is that in certain environments, the ideas just can come more readily and, and with a totally different power. And then, then you've got to figure out how you come back and you can then create that reality at home. But yeah, I mean, that's how I set goals. I, I, uh, I put myself in positions where I can think powerfully and then I write them in the affirmative as if they've already occurred. Brilliant. Can, I mean, can you share one of your goals for this upcoming year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I want uh, this book, you know, Willpower Doesn't Work to be a New York Times bestseller. I'm going to finish my PhD. I want to adopt my kids. I want to buy a house in Orlando. <laughs> Those are some of my goals. <laughs> but, but you've probably said you've already done this, though, in an affirmative way. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, I mean, in my mind... All of those things that actually already happened, you know, and I'm, and, I, and I'm continuously creating conditions that force them to happen. You know what I mean? Obviously, sometimes you fail. And that's, that's a big part of creating growth is experiencing both highs and lows, which is what most people avoid. Most people kind of stay in the middle and they're not, they're not taking on big challenges where the consequences are high and they're not, you know, they're not experiencing big failures that force them to reevaluate. And they're not experiencing big successes that propel bigger successes. No, and that's, so, that's you know, I'm willing to, you know, <laughs> fail. But yeah. No, well, you're sharing. Yeah, it. I think that's all happened, you know. Those things are already done as far as I'm concerned. Well, and I think it's great, Ben, is you're sharing so much, not only in the book, but here. I mean, you're sharing your goals, numbers, which a lot of people don't do. And that vulnerability actually goes a long way. And it's also accountability. And you talk about that a lot. It, I know we can dive into it a little bit, but I, I appreciate that. And I think the listeners will as well. Now, the next thing I want to jump into is the, the morning routine, because you talk a lot about this in both your book and some of your Medium articles. You wrote, to create trajectory in your life, it starts in the morning. So we're going to play a game called Love It or Leave It, the morning routine edition. I'm going to list some item from a morning routine. You're going to say whether you love it or you leave it and you don't do it. You ready? Yep. Running. Leave it. Coffee. Leave it. Listen to a podcast. Love it. <laughs> Writing. Love it. Watching the news. Leave it. Cereal. Leave it. Email. Leave it. Cold showers. Love it. (laughs) Visualization. Love it. Meditation. Love it. Facebook. Leave it. Text messages. Leave it. Fruit. Love it. All right. 
What else am I missing? Give me one other thing you may love or leave out of that morning routine. Uh, I think I think you said maybe you said maybe you didn't say it. You know, my biggest most powerful visualization tool is my journal, and it's you know journaling in a specific setting. You know, so don't journal in a place where you're going to get distracted. You know, journal in a place where you're totally like I, like we've talked about unplugged. You know, keep your phone on airplane mode. You know, right first thing in the morning when your brain's most kind of receptive, when your subconscious mind is most primed to kind of pull out big insights. And for me, that's just in my car, you know, create a sacred space where you're kind of triggered to think about big things and kind of living intentionally. So for me, writing in your journal is more powerful than just visualizing in your head. It's the same way as like writing your goals down is more powerful than thinking about them. Write about your, you know, visualize in the form of writing down what you want to see happen and do it in the affirmative way and do it in a space that is conducive to, you know, no distractions. Great. I love it. I love it. All right. I want to go do a, the ninth inning question time. If you want better answers in business, you need to ask better questions. What are some of the best questions you're asking these days, Ben? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Best questions I'm thinking about, at least for myself, are, you know, who who are really interesting people I want to learn from and who are very interesting people I want to work with. Right now, I'm kind of at a phase where um, I'm starting to do a lot bigger and different types of collaborations. And that's one of the things I talk about in the book is kind of mixing worlds and mixing ideas. And that's where unique connections come from. And so thinking about who I can work with, think about who I can serve, and then kind of just, you know, this year I want to write a few books. And so what is it that I'm going to write about? You know, that's kind of what, what's important and compelling right now. I mean, I think the reason I wrote Willpower Doesn't Work is because I thought it was like the right time to talk about environment. And so I'm kind of thinking like, what's what's really relevant? What's really important right now that people need to hear about? Oh, that's outstanding. All right. Tool time. Uh, what's an important tool that you have in your business toolbox? Does this have to be like a technology tool or it can, any tool? It can be any tool. Writing in a journal. Pen, pen and paper, really great. I would say the sooner you can hire an assistant, that's crazy. That'll change your world. You know, as far as like someone taking taking over your your email and the stuff that you need to uh, you know offload on your offload your brain. As far as tech, Medium is an amazing tool. I would use, like I've mentioned before, you know, use use a platform if you're looking for you know influence where there's already a pre-existing audience. You don't necessarily need your own website anymore. Uh, I have mine kind of just as like it just sits there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, jump on the platforms where people already exist. Uh, and I don't know how that would work with a podcast, except for that you uh, you you know you pull on people who already have platforms. So maybe with podcasts, it already works that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually a pretty interesting thought. But yeah, I'd say. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, assistant, journal writing, and then uh, finding the right platforms, which become the tool, you know, okay. that's beautiful. No, that's great. You know, it seems like you've been able to really simplify your life. And I love the quote from Steve Jobs, if you can make things simple, you can move mountains. What are some things you've done to simplify your business and life other than obviously the assistant's been a huge role, the journal, the other practical things you've done? Yeah, I really like the book, Good to Great, where he says, you know, if you have more than three priorities, you have none. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's like, saying no to a lot of opportunities that come. I mean, I recently spoke, for example, at the Genius Network uh, annual event, and I talked about all of all of my strategies directly for, you know, growing my audience as big as I have. And like, all of a sudden, I had all these people who wanted to hire me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I can't do that. That's not why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, and so I think it's kind of just being clear on, on what you value, what you find to be meaningful and important, and then um, just going big on that thing. I mean, that's really what the whole book essentialism is about is deciding what's worth it and then going big on that thing and saying no to everything else. And so for me, 
you know, how I, how I do this is just, I know what my, my values are. It's family, it's doing important work that I believe to be important. And then it's, you know, investing in myself, my own self-improvement and my relationships. Those are kind of my three, my three things. That's awesome. Now, Ben, there has to be some things that you've done crazy. I mean, you're talking to a guy in a yellow tuxedo. I believe in being crazy with a lot of things. Are there some things in your life that you've done that people would say, that's a little crazy? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff I do, people think is crazy. I mean, like, for example, like I didn't have a lot of money and I invested a hundred thousand dollars into a mastermind group, you know, that, that quickly turned into a lot of money in collaborations. But like, that's something that most people wouldn't do as a college student. Um, how did you, I mean, do, how did you do that? I mean, I'm just, I mean, you jumped in a hundred thousand dollars. You're a college student. How were you able to do that? I mean, like I said, I, I, I got a $220,000 oh, book okay. advance okay. and, you know, I pretty much, you know, got the permission from my wife. You know, she said, you know, <laughs> when I quit my job at the university, she said, you've got one year to try this dream. <laughs> and if you don't get it, you're going back to work at the university, wow. you know, and that's as a graduate student. But like, for me, I'm such a big believer in investing in yourself because of the psychological and environmental upgrade that it creates and how that changes you that like, to me, I have to apply these things as big as I possibly can. And so when I got the book deal, I, you know, I joined Genius Network, which allowed me to, which then immediately turned into, and I've written an article about it, I'm happy to send it to you about how that one investment immediately turned from 200, I mean, sorry, $25,000 into like well over 400,000, almost within a month. Wow. Just by a, by a quick collaboration, because when you learn, when you expose yourself to different types of people and ideas, you quickly realize how limiting your previous thinking and environment was. Um, but uh, and so then I, you know, I had some money, and I mean, I pretty much invested it all, to be honest with you, in this book <laughs> launch. I mean, seriously, I've invested. I've got like this PR team, but but I, you know, so initially I started making some money, but didn't have a lot in the bank. And I was like, I really think I need to join hundred K, which is this, uh, which is this mastermind group. And I was like, I really think it would like create an insane trajectory for this book launch. And my wife's like, wait, you just spent $25,000 on genius network. Like what do you, she's like, this is not good. This is not healthy. You know? And I was just like, no, this is exactly what I need. And so like, luckily I've been able to pay the bills, pay for our like attorney fees and stuff and get our kids into Montessori school. So like, she's like, okay, we can do this. But like, we didn't have a lot of money and I was pretty much investing it all. Like yeah. we talk about investing 10% maybe in your self improvement. I was investing like 80%. Um, <laughs> no. and that's, that's kind of, in my opinion, how I've gotten to where I'm at so fast, but yeah. you know, most people wouldn't do that. Uh, I mean, I could go with the cliche. I've obviously gone skydiving in Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I love that sort of stuff. I like the investing everything you have. I mean, my wife and I went all in on our team Savannah. We were asleep on an airbed. When you go all in, you have to make it work. And as you talk about it, you, know, <laughs> you, you literally have to, there's no other choice. <laughs> Necessity uh, is the mother of invention, you, right? You better believe it. But my question, I mean, again, just what if someone doesn't have the money? I mean, you were fortunate to build a great platform to be able to get that great book advance. But how do you invest in, I mean, self, someone says like, you know, I'm only making $30,000 a year and they have to live. Do you have any suggestions for that person? 100%. My story is, is relevant because back in 2015, during my first year as a PhD student, I was making $12,000 a year. And that's the year I started writing. And, the, and I made a few big investments in myself to give myself that level of commitment and motivation. And the first one was I spent $800 on my domain name, BenjaminHari.com. That freaked me and my wife out. You know, I was making $12,000 a year, like $800 on a website. That's like, that, that blew us away. Then I spent $197 on an online course that taught me how to write viral headlines. 
And then I spent $250 to have a conversation with one of my favorite writers. You know what I mean? Like a 30 minute call. I spent 250 bucks on it. Like those all in all, that's like, that, you know, those are three big investments that I made the first year of my writing, which really propelled me. And that's all like less than 1500 bucks. Oh, that's brilliant. All right. That, that is the key investing in yourself, putting yourself in different environments. Ben, I want to finish with some favorites in the final four here. So what is your favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? I like to mostly just chill with my wife and kids. I mean, my kids are crazy. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's always a reality check because I'm like so like serious and focused on them at work. And then I like get with my kids and they're just playing and goofing. And like, I'm like, oh yeah, like this is totally great. Oh, um, and it's just watch, you know, watching shows and just relaxing with my wife. Outstanding. What's a favorite uh, business conference that you've been to? I mean, I'd probably just say Genius. Genius Networks is an amazing one. You know, like... Uh, yeah, that's probably the best I've been to. Beautiful. You mentioned lots of books. I know both you and I are avid readers, but is there a favorite book that stood up for you the last few years? I mean, I'll just go with last few months. The Body Keeps the Score. That's such a powerful book all about, you know, trauma and about the fact that everyone has gone through, you know, emotionally painful situations. And what happens when you go through traumas is that your personality freezes and uh, it stops developing. And so the it's it's kind of like the tome. It's like the the latest book that like really is one of the more powerful healing books. Um, and I think it relates to everything I write about with environment and self-improvement. So the body keeps the score. Oh, it's outstanding. What about a favorite podcast you listen to? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, I actually truthfully don't listen to a ton of podcasts. I'm more of an audiobook listener, oh, but that uh, makes sense. I, yeah, I'll just say, I'd probably just stick with audios. Perfect. Audiobooks. All right. What about magic moment? This magic moment. What's a moment you will never forget in your life? I think a, a big magic moment for me, I mean, probably, probably as it relates to my career was just like when my first article went way viral. Like it was just so weird, you know, like seeing 99, you know, like it, seeing 100 tweets like every hour, you know, and retweets. And it was more than that. It was probably like every 20 minutes I'd get like a 100 retweets. And it was wow. just kind of weird, you know, it was just like you can't really describe it. You just like, it's just like, what the heck? Like something that I created is like spreading through the ecosystem. Oh, that's amazing. What was that first article? It was eight things every person should do before 8 a.m. Mm, yep. Yep. And people have done videos on that as well, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great. All right, Ben. Time for our final four. Final four questions. What is something you've done differently in your life to stand out? I mean, I, I don't like drink alcohol, for example, or, or do drugs, you know, I mean, that's, that's one thing that just like, you know, everyone's kind of always like shocked when I'm at like a really nice dinner and I'm drinking, you know, and it's, it's, I have no judgment towards that at all. It's just something that, uh, for me was a decision I made. Um, I mean, that's one, I mean, just continuous learning is another that's allowed me to stand out. You know, I try to read, you know, between, you know, 75 and a hundred books a year. And, um, that's something that's really helped me. Awesome. Now, what is some advice you'd give to someone to stand out in business and life? Invest in yourself. You know, hopefully that's come out in this episode. That is. Even, if it, even if it's small amounts in the beginning, what happens when you invest in yourself is you upgrade your psychology, you upgrade your commitment to your dreams. You know, that's how you go from dreamer to doer, by the way. You know, that's, I've studied that for a lot of years now, as far as entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs. When you start investing money in your goal and in your business and your dream, that's when you become committed to it. And that's also when you change your environment. Outstanding. All right. Final two here. What's the best advice you've ever received? Do what is right. Let the consequence follow. Brilliant. Love it. All right. And the final question, Ben, how do you want to be remembered? 
probably just uh, someone who like really, really just did their best to, to help other people and to live according to his own value system. Outstanding. Well said. Well, you definitely survived the Business Done Differently podcast. I absolutely loved having you on the show. Now, where can people learn more about you? Obviously, the book, it's coming out. It's a huge, going to be a huge success. But where can they find out some more information? Yeah, BenjaminHardy.com is the place to start. You'll find my best articles. My biggest challenge is definitely check out Willpower Doesn't Work. You know, in my opinion, it's going to be a different angle than you've seen before. Uh, And so, yeah, check out the book. Excellent. Any parting words? No, man, this is fun. I've never done this kind of podcast before. This is great. (laughs) Well, it was an absolute pleasure having you. And uh, we'll share everything in show notes. Thanks again for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple, to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out. Thank you.